Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the tantalizing world of Inside the Tees. I am your host, Mirage, and together we will embark on an unforgettable journey through the captivating art form that is performance art. In this podcast, we delve into the deep allure of your favorite performers. Whether you're a seasoned enthusiast or a curious newcomer, join us as we unravel the transformation behind the curtain. So get cozy and close those curtains because we're going Inside the Tees. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Inside the Tees. I'm your host, Mirage. Today, I'm really excited for our interview, our very first interview for episode one of Inside the Tees. We are interviewing Lola B. So, hello, Lola B. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing great. You're doing great. Beautiful. You look great. You feel feel great as in your energy and your essence and everything. I want to first say I'm very appreciative for you being here today and for your time. I know you're going to be, you know, everybody's got their own life and everybody can get a little busy. So I appreciate you sharing space. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yes. So for the first, for this podcast, we are going to, I'd like to get deep with um, different performance artists and, you know, what was it that, I like to kind of get into what brought you on stage because I know that everybody looks at us and they see like the final package, they see everything put together, but they don't know the behind the scenes that went in, not just on a preparation level of putting, you know, a performance together, but the mental level, you know, how you psyched yourself up to get on the stage for the first time and the mental battles that you, you go through that people don't see or understand or even think that you go through because a lot of people equate what we do with us being and having all the confidence in the world. So that's kind of what I'd like to kind of show people another side of the performers. So where are you from, Willoughby? I was born here in Cincinnati and I was raised between like here and Decatur, Georgia. So I kind of like to say I'm from like Cincinnati. They both kind of mean a lot to me. <laughs> okay. So where is that? I'm not from around here. So excuse me. Okay. Is that near Decatur, Georgia? No, Decatur, it's like Georgia. Atlanta. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. Atlanta. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. So how'd you end up in Cincinnati? I moved back here in high school. High school? Yeah. Nice. What high school so, did you go to? Uh, Roger Bacon. Roger Bacon. Yeah. Okay. I know people here in Cincinnati are very like, what high school did you go to? Yeah, I am not. <laughs> no. You know? Okay. So um, are you only based here in Cincinnati or do you travel? Yes. Just for now, just Cincinnati. Yeah. But Cincinnati? Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Where the we'll world... see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of performance art do you do? Um, I would consider myself an aerialist. Yeah, I think that, no, I just think it's important that I consider myself um, an aerialist, a dancer. That's pretty much where I uh, find my passion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. How did you get into aerials? Really weird. Uh, or I guess not. I guess everybody's, how they got into it is really weird. Um, I, one of my friends had a birthday party, which, you know, that when it comes to like pole, they do a lot of like pole mm-hmm. parties for birthdays. And um, one of my really good friends now, uh, Latifa, who uh, taught and still does perform here, uh, was the instructor at the party. And, you know, they just basically will have everybody come. They'll teach you like a little routine and you just have fun. Like you're just performing for your friends. 
And so just when she kind of taught us the routine and it was everyone's individual turn to perform for each other, I just kind of got up there and I just kind of watched what she taught us. And I was like, yeah, I like that. Okay, I'm into it. So let's just have some fun. And then she just kind of asked like, so have you done this before? And I was like, no, I was just kind of, you know, you're a really good teacher. You were just teaching me. So I just kind of did what you did or whatever. And she was like, wow, you should really maybe consider taking a class. And I was like, okay, I don't know. Sure. I don't have anything else going on that I can think of. So um, I ended up taking a class and just kind of being like climbing, inverting, like my first class. It was like, oh crap. And then from there, it just kind of became something that I couldn't stop doing. And then it just sort of like you start posting, you just practicing and people are just like, oh, do you do this? And you're like, not really, but I mean, I could maybe. And then yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love how... Um... A lot of the times, like, I love when I hear stories of people who kind of fell into it versus, like, everybody's story is great, you know, but I love that, like, fate aspect. I right. kind of have, like, it's kind of almost like you didn't have to go out for it. It kind of came to you. Yeah. And I feel like those are, you have some of the most abundant experiences in life when things come to you like that. And you also know that it's meant for you because you didn't go out looking for it. It literally chose you. It really did. Yeah. Which is something that makes me like, I can't say that I'm always as confident as I want to be that I should be doing this, but I get to think back on that moment and just kind of be like, uh, just a little further into that is that like, I've always looked the way that I've looked physically. And it's always been like a really big insecurity for me because I'm like, I'm small but I'm muscular. I didn't play sports. Like, I'm like, why am I like this? <laughs> I just want to be, you know, curvy. And like, I know that it's not womanly, but the, I, the societal idea of womanly. And I'm yes. like, so I can't even look like that. And now I got to look like this. And not to say that you need a body like mine, obviously, because you don't to do what you do. But um, it was just like, for me, for my own personal experience, it kind of made that connection of like, I might not, uh, look the way that I wish I did but it's definitely for me and for my own experience what's helpful to have I guess what it is that I have and uh yeah it just sort of like for me it just became a source of reassurance in life that like this entire my entire life I couldn't understand like I said why I looked the way I did and then at least for this um it just sort of like clicked like maybe this is why and so I was like okay I feel so much better. <laughs> Definitely. And I do strongly believe that your body, the body type that you're given in this life is kind of your vehicle and it kind of supports whatever you're doing and supposed to do. So you kind of already having that like, you know, agile frame. As I'm, I'm kind of like making up terms yeah. here, but like, but I'm, I'm trying to use the word agility and then like frame, like, you know, like your body is very agile mm. from what I can witness, you know. Um, to help you be able to do the things that you do for right. your craft, you know, and I can similarly relate in that, like, I didn't play sports myself. I, um, I was always, though, kind of had, like, active feet, okay. you know, and always kind of, like, had, like, somewhat of a tone, you know, and I didn't realize until recently, like, my body is like this because it's supposed to support this. Right. So... How many years have you been doing Ariel? 
I would say, and it's really hard because even when I first started out, it was more of like on and off consistency. Like I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't like uh, something that I was every day or at least like every week or something like that doing. So we say about seven, but within that seven years, that can kind of be like, it's kind of chopped up. It's a very inconsistent seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. So we'll just call it an inconsistent seven years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, listen. Um, and what, I know there's different forms of aerial work. Yes. What forms of aerial do you do the most or do you do? So pole is my baby. That's my my first love because obviously that's how I got started with dancing and then really though um this sort of evolved into lollipop which is like my baby baby uh yeah but I've done so I've done Lyra I wouldn't say that they're my all-time favorite apparatuses although I respect them I think they're really beautiful but sometimes you just got to know what your lane is. <laughs> That's sometimes just not my just lane. Know your lane is. It's just not my lane. And at least you tried. At but least it, you yeah. don't like, be like, no, I'm not doing that. You'll no. Still do it. I'm down to clown. I'm down to try to see. But definitely, like, pole is something that my brain just understands. And lollipop is something that my brain just. Well, lollipop, I think it's because it's not a very popular apparatus. It really um, helps me dig into, like, my creativity because there isn't a lot of information to go off of you kind of have to be really proactive in like learning things in general so yeah definitely it's so surprising that lollipop is not a popular and you're not the first person that I've heard say this so I definitely like believe it it's surprising because I to me I've played on both I have not an aerialist maybe one day i'll become one you know but i've played on both lollipop and like lyra and i would say lollipop i connect it more with than lyra um i have seen some beautiful things done on a lollipop for sure me too and it's definitely vice versa but i think it's just one of those things that because it's circular like a lyra and then it has the whole base people kind of just go like so it's a lira. So I might as well just have like a lira. And also, I think people more associate like lira performances to like Cirque du Soleil or something because it is really elegant and like really beautiful. So it's just kind of like, why not just have that? You know what I mean? And then it's like, well, then if I see the long pole, why not just do pole? And then I think sometimes people kind of get caught up when they see it and take it like, well, then it is a lira. So I'm just going to do lira stuff. And again, if I'm just going to do lira stuff, I might as well just have a lira. But they're two completely different apparatuses. So, what would yeah. you recommend for a beginner aerialist? Lollipop or a lira? Mm. Or a pole? Which That's what you just have to touch them to know. Yeah. Like, there's no, I couldn't say, like, you must or this is the best way to start because the best way to start is just to start. And only you kind of know what feels right or what really speaks to you when you're on it. So, just find a place that maybe offers a couple different things, take a couple classes and see what thing that like you couldn't get out of your head the most. And that's the thing you should probably go back and start. Okay. Um, what limitations, if there are any, do you put on yourself? And if so, how do you overcome them? Limitations like how? Limitations as far as the ex- why you may not feel like you can do something. I know that earlier in the podcast, you brought up just like certain levels of confidence and stuff and realizing that like that I am, you know, capable or 
you know, to do this, you know, even though I feel like this. So kind of like a limitation in that way. Just um, the things we tell ourselves that, oh, I can't do it because of this or I'm this or that. And I don't know if there's any. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Excuse me, guys. Somebody sneezed in the background. Was intense. So it was it was intense. They needed that blessing. Uh, I don't know if there's any like limitations that I'm putting on myself. Maybe there's, let's say, societal limitations that it's hard not to be aware of. And they're not really limitations. I guess they're just like perceived limitations. But for the most part, I try to be pretty open with myself as terms as like in terms as like, mm, see, I'm not getting that sense at all. <laughs> in terms of like, that's what I was looking for. Um, exploring my artistry and like what it means, like what performance means to me. So I'm just thinking and I can't like. Yeah, it's, and that's, you really are one of those people. Every time I make a decision, I swear, your voice pops up in my head. Lola B's voice pops up in my head because every time I'll be backstage or we'll be talking and I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, I really want to do that. Like, I'm so indecisive with things. It's, it can get crazy. But, and she's always like, why not just do it? And it doesn't matter, like, should I do this or should I do that? To both answers, it's just do it. Why not? So I love that you also apply that same motto, kind of, to yourself. Yeah. Definitely. Um, how did you arrive to that? How did you arrive there to just be like, were you always somebody that just kind of just was just like, why not just do it? Or did something happen to kind of make you kind of adapt that mindset I would say I've probably just really always been like this like it's odd because it makes it sound like I'm incredibly impulsive and I'm not I can or I definitely am one of those people that's like I like a list I'm a planner but I can also appreciate times when it's necessary to just be adaptable and just sort of do it so I think I've always just which probably like most people honestly maybe I'm just more verbal about it just kind of have like an awareness that life will often call for both things, sometimes at the same time, sometimes at one or at the other at other times. So again, I guess it just goes into when it comes to putting limitations on myself, I just try to be very like, what does the moment call for? Usually it's just do something, just do, just do it. But sometimes it also, like I said, so it's more of just trying to be perceptive of the situation and just kind of going like, is this one of those moments where I should just take a minute or is this one of those moments where if I sit and think about it too much I'm going to talk myself out of doing anything and then then I'll just do nothing so and that's not yeah. really productive I definitely I'm learning myself that um there's really no wrong choice hmm. um that is something that's been kind of ingraining it just kind of like your choice just determines kind of the direction right you kind of will always at least I believe kind of end up in the same place when it's all said and done but like that choice that you made determines how easy mm. or how how hard that path is going to be to get there so like I think just going through life you end up learning discernment and discerning like just lessons that you had before just discerning like okay I can go this is my end goal. I can go this route. What's my intention? I think that's important. Having intention behind mm. why you're making this choice. Right. And if I make this choice, what is, what could possibly, you know, which one would be 
in essence, we I would hope we would continue to pick like easier paths. You know what I mean? Eventually, over time, as we learn our lessons and all that, we'll we're able to discern which path is going to be least the path of least resistance to where we want to go. But the weird thing is, is that you never really know what the easier path was until you're already until kind of on already... it. And so you have that hindsight, which is so like, hindsight is kind of one of those annoying things. It's like, this means nothing to me now because I'm already doing the other thing. But so yeah, that's why I kind of just do it because you really don't know. And even if you set up everything to go like recently, one of my friends asked me like, well, what's your five-year plan? And I realized that that's in a very, like a very adult conversation to have is what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, I'm the worst adult ever. I have no idea because there's no, I can have like a dreams or like hopes, but when you start like planning and then when I start, it's so much control and life, as we all know, really just doesn't work like that. Sometimes it can be as simple as I'm going to go to the store. Then I get in the car, I go to the store, I come back home. Perfect. But sometimes you get in the car, there's like road work. So you have to go around. I don't know. The store is on fire. And you're like, how is this happening? Yeah, I just wanted a loaf of store bread. That this <laughs> store didn't have loaf of so, bread, but you need that so bread. So you're like, wait, what? So I'm like, I don't even have a five-year plan. I have things that I hope for my life. And if that comes in five years, obviously that'd be great. Three years, two years, wonderful. But it's more of just like, yeah, like I said, I just have things that I hope for, things that I dream about. And I'm just hoping that I'm proactive and moving in a way that I should be to kind of help learn the things that I need to be prepared for whatever it is that I'm hoping for and that I'm moving in that direction. But as terms of, in terms of a five-year plan, it's like, I don't. I don't have one, man. I'm winging it like everybody else. <laughs> I am learning that everybody, we're all just winging it. And I agree with that. It's hard to be like, this is what I'm going to do in five years. This is what I'm going to do in 10 years. Because life can be unpredictable. Life can throw curveballs. You can, there are so many different pathways that you can go within that five years. You could be like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to end up here. But you start doing it. And in two years, you realize, oh, no, we got to revert that plan. You know, so I think having intention and motivation with how you want your life to kind of look and how you want to feel in the future is better than being like, I'm going to do this and that because it's like, okay, I want to feel safe and comfortable. So I need to make decisions that kind of go towards that. And so in five years, I'm, you know, in that space versus like creating like this, this is what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Cause then you have those heavy expectations. I feel like, and those, that can lead to real great disappointments, real hard disappointments that sometimes some people don't come back from yeah. and they don't continue on their journey because they had it, it set in their head that this is what they were going to do and this is when they were going to do it. Right. And I mean, you don't even know if what you're choosing is going to be. So if you say like, I want to be comfortable, so I know I want to go do this thing, like, I don't know, take this job and I know I want to be comfortable. Again, you don't really know until you get into the job just how draining it might be. And so then you have your heart set on knowing that this is what's going to bring me comfort. And then you're not even really sure that it will because you won't because hindsight, you haven't experienced that yet to be able to go like, oh, it wasn't. So it's just kind of like, yeah, just hoping that you're moving in the right direction to the things that you're hoping for. But just being open to the idea that they can come in a different package than what you expected them to come into, which is why planning can be good. But it can also be bad because if you have your heart set on it being this job that was going to bring me that thing, then that's a disappointment that you didn't 
that you could have tried to avoid. But I mean, we can't always avoid everything just because you put, I guess, all your eggs in one basket to go like, this is what's going to do it. Instead, it could have been like a new friend or I don't know, you discovered this amazing pizza place, which sounds really like mundane and small, but I mean, you can find joy or peace or comfort in so many different things that it's just like, just be open to the experience because it's going to be wild. It's going to suck. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> you're going to be like, why am I even here? And then you're going to be like, life is, this is why I'm alive. Like, it's going to be so many of those things all the time and it never stops. So just, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> just, just, like Nike says, just, just do it. Listen, they had the right they had, idea. They had something figured out for sure. Um, what's an insult that you've received that you're actually proud of? And yeah. You know, because sometimes it's like people, everybody perceives things differently. So what somebody may seem is not their ideal might actually be your perfect ideal. So do you have any situations like that? I'm trying to think of the last time I've been insulted. I'm sure I have. It's just... Last time somebody had the nerve to say it to your face. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, although I, I feel do... like you would cut them up. I'm, I wouldn't want to be on your... I feel like you got to wait. I feel like you would cut somebody up with words. So sure. that's the crazy thing. I don't really, like, I'm not a fan of uh, confrontation, honestly. Like, if I can help it, uh, I really uh, would probably say and definitely have been described as the person that keeps themselves. So I'm really trying to be like... It's not to say that I've never obviously been insulted because I'm sure I have. Um, but it's also one of those things too, that I kind of live in my own little world a lot. So you probably could be literally insulting me and I'm just like, huh? <laughs> not even like, and again, it's not even one of those things where it's like, because I'm too cool to notice. I'm just really sometimes just that far out in my own mind. Uh, I would have to say maybe more professionally than personally. Okay. Um, Nourish yourself. Uh, Usually, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I would say the most consistent, and I don't even know if it's an insult exactly. And it doesn't have to be. Maybe like a criticism or a, it could have been a construction criticism on their end, but actually, you know. I don't, yeah, even that. Uh, people don't usually talk to me very much about my work exactly. Again, because I'm sure that it happens. I want to say, okay, if the closest thing that I can think of is typically when someone's looking to book me and they kind of, we get to the, we get to start talking about how much that would actually cost. And usually people kind of will tell me like, I think you're so amazing and like wonderful and like all these wonderful compliments until we start talking about that. And then once we get there, it's kind of like this, who do you think you are? Like, this costs more than the space that I'm renting out or something like that. And it's like, okay, cool. That's totally fine. Um, yeah. Which isn't really kind of, I had somebody specifically say that to me, though, uh, relatively uh, recently, that it would cost more than the space that they were renting out, which is fine. And I was like, I mean, that's totally fine. You know, just hopefully we get to work together in the future. But I guess in some ways it's, I don't know if I would take that then as something that I'm proud of, but... So the insult, or you know what I'm saying, it's not an insult. It's not at really all. an insult. That's it's not just an insult. More of a, um, a, I would say one of, I would say a hurdle, but a um, not. I'm looking for a word here. So am I, and I've got nothing for what I would call it. Okay, let's just yeah. say the exchange isn't 
what I'm proud of, I'm more proud of being able to take that and instead of internalizing that and going, well, then maybe I should adjust myself, being able to kind of say like, well, I feel like I know what I'm worth at this point or just in general. So being able to say like, it's totally fine as opposed to going, well, let me adjust to you. Yeah, since you're coming to me, which is really hard, especially as entertainers, which I'm sure you know, because people put, it's weird that they'll put a lot of, I want to say emotional value on what we do, but then that doesn't translate to any monetary value. They're like, you, you know, you speak to my soul and, you know, you're making me like, you know, crazy. I think about it, what an amazing thing. And then when it comes in terms to like actually paying you, then it's kind of like, they just completely forgot how they just like hyped you up, how incredible and amazing you were. So it gets really hard, um, especially because for some weird reason, which we all kind of know that there's this idea that the arts are like worthless to put your time like and effort into. Yeah. So being able to stay firm is really hard because you never want to be the person that's super difficult. You never want to be the person that's like charging Beyonce prices, but you also need to be fair to yourself because whether you're a blessed performer, an aerialist, a singer, a painter, a writer, whatever, it takes a lot of time, effort, energy um, to do anything in terms of any sort of art. Um, and to be able to have like that, I want to call it a backbone. I don't, I'm not really sure if I could refer to myself as someone with a backbone, but I guess in this instance, I definitely did. And trying to become more comfortable with the idea of like, well, this is what I said. It's totally fine if you can't because there's some stuff that I wish I could pay for costuming or something like that that I absolutely can't. And you just have to be like, look, no, that's not my lane. Not right now. And, but I'm also not gonna um, redefine my worth to adjust your perception of that worth. So I think what you need to be a fair. Yeah. Because I feel like that's what I've already come to you. That's what I'm presenting to you now. Like, you know, you, for the most part, I would say most entertainers have done their research. They've gone, this is what I've been paid to do this. This is what, whatever I do that. This is the time and the costuming and the whatever. So this is something that I feel like is fair. And just sort of being able to understand that, like, there will be people, even if they like you, that are not willing to pay you to do something and that that be okay. So to not have that idea that like, but then I want this show. I want this, you know, I want this booking because money and because da, 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 da. you know what there'll be another one absolutely I definitely that is something that I've myself have had quite the experience navigating and um turning down gigs because of you know and I I would say like look I it was a, one of the hardest things I had to start implementing because I got to a point um where I feel like I was just kind of like, okay, spend the first couple of years learning everything. And I'm still learning, obviously. I will never stop learning. But like, spend the first couple of years, you know, tip and toes. But I feel like I had such a quick, like, growth to the point where I had to like, okay, like, I have, like, it's okay to turn down a gig. You don't have to take, you're in a place where you don't have to take. I mean, when you're first starting, it's great to get stage time. You kind of, you do have to have a level of like, adaptability with things because you Mm -hmm. want your stage time you want your content you want people to see you you know and to know that this is what I'm doing you're branding you know but once you're branded it's like why am I still you know and some people some events some things depending on what y'all are doing what the intention is what 
relationship y'all have and whatever you kind of like you know maneuver with what with whatever you're trying to do but like learning to be okay with turning down a gig so you can possibly save that spot for a better gig or right. you know I feel like that is I feel like one of the hardest things getting into the arts not even just show business like being an artist in general because people don't realize what we go through outside of the stage right in the sense of like this isn't I'm an art, like, I be, I'm an artist because of, like, my environment, you know, and, you know, between what I eat, you know, my training, my mental training, I know a lot of artists who create their best work under pressure or when they've went through something really traumatic, so, like, just the healing from that, you know, and for someone to say, oh, you're great, but mm, I don't think that's worth it, you don't know what energy and power I had to pull from in order to, like, give you this art from because for whatever reason everybody has a different story but I create my best work when I'm going through shit okay and that healing you know so like for someone to kind of like that's great but I'm good and then that's okay too like that learning like yeah. that's okay too I think we want to kind of get like defensive or well some of us want to get like feel like well you should appreciate my art for what it is or whatever like nope it's okay you just move them forward move them you know, forward, not right now, right. you know, I love that you use not right now too, and didn't say, um, that's not my lane, you were like, that's not my thing, not right now, right. you know, I appreciated that, um, so that way something else bigger can come in, and I feel like, just least in my journey, that, that has definitely played out, you know, if I would have picked up this cheaper gig, or this gig that was paying less, because I wanted a gig, I wouldn't, the date, the date wouldn't have been available for the gig that I just got offered that was to pay more. And I've actually ran into that to where that has happened. Yeah. And uh, it was definitely a learning lesson of the, it's okay to, you know, wait. And most of the time, like, people, they'll come back and, you know, they'll, you know, especially if they love your art and stuff like that, they'll come back maybe a year later, a few months later and be like, I, I do have it now. I want right. to book you, you know. So you don't really, as long as you keep a good relationship, you don't really lose that person as a client. It's just not right now it's just not the time and I feel like that I mean that's what like I said I try to have that idea and even without it just being like about the money it also is too like you said there's so many other things that lead up to a show or, or an event or a performance or whatever that even just having the uh even just having the building up that I want to say like business confidence of being able to go like knowing my worth, because I try to think if I'm wanting to go further in my career, then what you, it's kind of like you rehearsing for a show, like what you practice is almost kind of what you perform outside of like little mishaps that you can't help from a live show. So this is kind of just like the training, I guess, to, for the future. So, I mean, I'm not, it's not always just about the money. Sometimes it can be like, well, I mean, sometimes, yeah, like I've definitely had people try to book me for like $50. They want me to bring the apparatus okay. and they want me to do like three or four hours. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Not even because it's, because it can be a, like you said, it can be a, a low or let's call it like a quote unquote low. Cause what is low? You're giving me money. I like that. Um, paying gig. But like you said, there's something else about it. There's a building of relationship or the show or whatever is happening means something to me. Or I feel like speaks to something where you'll just kind of do it because you're like it means something but um yeah I don't know just being able to build up that 
when you're talking about doing bigger events with like huge companies and big contracts, you want to be able to have like that negotiating power. And a lot of that power has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with like your knowing your own worth. So getting that practice in and just being able to be like, like I said, putting yourself in the perspective of a potential client. Like I said, there's some stuff that I've seen people do, like costumes and stuff that I've seen people produce. And I'm like, I wish I could afford that. It's like a thousand dollars. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. But like, I know it's not for me right now. So even if I don't know how much it costs and I ask and somebody's like, it costs a thousand, you're not going to be like, well, you go screw yourself. A thousand dollars? Are you crazy? No, you're going to be like, I knew that I wanted that thing, but I just know that that's not where I'm at right now. And that's okay. So you just try to look at it as everyone is technically a customer in a way, or everyone's a client, because even if you're paying me, I'm still a client to you, you're still a client to me. And then that old saying of just treating people how you want to be treated. I don't want somebody to come to me and be like, well, you can go. Can right. I pass? <laughs> oh, I'm so, oh, wait, can you? Can you can go somewhere else. You can go somewhere else and do things. You can, go. you can do that just because I can't afford you. Like, there's a lot of stuff I can't afford. I can go buy like a mega mansion, but it would be nice if I could. But I'm not going to go cuss out a realtor because I can't afford their house. I'm just going to say, well, it looks really pretty. I'm going to keep it in my head and use every this one step of these days this as is my, my motivation. Yeah, this is my know. inspiration. So, yeah. yeah, it's not a big deal. It's They come and go like everything else. So. Okay. How would you describe Lola? Um, if you were to describe Lola to somebody, if you were to step outside of being Lola and you were to describe this as Lola, how would you describe it to that person? I don't think I could. Not because it's like a word is like. Human words are too yeah. small to no. describe what <laughs> yeah. she is. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not for that at all. Just because I don't think I'd be really good at describing. I don't think I could describe myself to another person. So I would have no idea. I don't know, entertainer. Yeah, and there's a beauty in that because then that doesn't put you in a box. There's a beauty in not being able to like, I feel like once you put a name on something, you kind of already you put it in that like yeah. lane, you know? So it's like Lola, you know, this, that, you know, um, aerialist, obviously you're an aerialist, but if you were to start naming other adjectives, um, adjective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Adjective. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know somebody at some point be like, I'm like, that's not right. Look, not look, right. look. Please correct me if it isn't right. If you are listening and I use the wrong word, listen, I just be thinking and saying things. But um, it kind of gives you a level of freedom. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, it's in a weird way, it is however you want to take it, you know? And that's, it's true because. I can say that I'm this, but because we're all artists, like that's how art works. This is what we're putting out, but that not might not necessarily be what somebody perceives. So it's kind of like, I can say probably like, I don't know, banana tree table. And then somebody's like, banana tree table, that looks like grass that's and pumpkin juice. juice. I don't know. So it's no, like, hey, remember the red dress, that whole like red dress, blue dress yeah, thing? There's yes. that. It's and all people, about your perception. I'm still like, Wait, do you think that it's I, I don't the know. black I don't and remember. blue it or the like, golden white? I don't remember what it was, but I was like, it's definitely gold. <laughs> Duh. But I've seen it both ways. 
I don't know if there was just different dress clothes yeah. going around. If people were okay, messing, somebody it's a was, conspiracy. Yeah, if people, somebody was out here messing with like the masses. It's a conspiracy. But um, because I did find that very interesting that two people can look at the and I, I think that's where Mirage came about. Like two people can look at the exact same thing and see something completely different. I find that very fascinating. So not to be off topic, but is that where you're like? Is that the the thought process behind the name? Yeah. You know, um, the validation thing, you know, kind of knowing your truth, like it can be this, but it's also okay for it to be that for somebody else. Okay. You know, the perception, um, the mirage is like the expression of perception. It's the, the opening of it. Like, it's okay that you see it this way, mm. you know, that's kind of. We can get a little deep in there, you know. I know. That's I, why I was asking. I was like, since we're kind of a little bit down here, I know you're not being yes. interviewed, but I mean, we are talking. So then I was like, I was curious. No, definitely. Like, where's that? I'm okay, well, how would share. you describe Mirage? Mirage, Mirage, literally a quote I have, Mirage is the radical expression of perception. Okay. Like, it is everything and nothing because I, the thing, the lessons that I have received in life really has put me in a place to really learn, understand, and accept that no matter you can be gandhi and people are still going to perceive you however they want to perceive you and it be true for them and that be okay understanding and learning that we'll see the same show we saw it differently i'm not wrong in how i saw it. you're not wrong in how you saw it. actually our differences in sight is actually encouraged and needed and wanted and it's okay Okay. You know, and I learned that from being somebody who would want to force my opinion on people okay. or my viewpoints on yeah, people. Yeah, I wouldn't get that from you. Yeah, well, it's been a journey. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's been quite the journey. Um, and uh, I get really passionate about my causes, you know, and I want people to see them the way I see them. But I've had to learn, and I've had to learn this the hard way, and I've had some lessons to where it was an easier lesson. Um, but it always was a common theme you know, of things just are what they are and people are going to see things how they want to see them. That's, you know, that's what we want. That's what we need in the world. We need people to, we need the differences in sight, you know. And, yeah, so just a little bit about, you know, what Mirage is. No, that's you know? beautiful, and though. I definitely yeah. have truly based the name off of the lessons that I've been given in my life because sometimes... That's a, that that might be a different inter, inter, interview or conversation because like there's so many different facets of it, but that's why it's a mirage because you can see whatever. Yeah. When I've described you to other people and used your name, <laughs> it sounds so corny, but it's true. I just tell people it's because you're not even really sure what you're looking at is real because that's how good I think you are. So that's oh why I'm like, it's a I, <laughs> I don't listen. I oh, that is like. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. That was one that yeah. is really reassuring to like just my path and stuff because I don't know. I'm cheesing over here. Y'all can't see it, <laughs> but I'm cheesing. I'm, I'm over here like, oof. Okay. So speaking of causes, do you stand for any causes? Are there anything in particular that you're like, I know some people are very into, um, you know, the LGBT community and making sure they're heard or represented. Some people are really into the Black Lives Matter and making sure that is heard and represented. Some people are into women. You know, I would say I'm somebody who my cause is femininity, and, you know, womanhood and sensuality and the divine feminine, you know, 
So would you say that you have anything that you feel strongly about that you would like, that you are hoping in your journey, you kind of piggyback on and kind of work with or in? It's going to sound so pretentious, I think, but we're just going to have to roll with it because it's my truth, I guess. It's your like truth, the, yeah. the biggest cause is just like, I don't know, the human experience. Like there's nothing branded that I can say that I can go like, you can go purchase a t-shirt or something like that to represent what this is. But I mean, like most people, I'm a combination of so many things. So it's kind of just like, just the, just the ability to just be alive, whatever that means. I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it definitely, yeah. fit. I can definitely see that being, cause you are that, like I said, you are that voice in my head. that's just, just do it. You know what I mean? Like, so I can definitely see that being your fight, you know, your, yeah. uh, look at me trying to use big words over here. Let's just use the big, let's just use big let's ones. Let's like, the dictionary today, guys. <laughs> I just practice it for this moment. <laughs> um, your plight, um, I can definitely see that being a part of your story. Yeah, I just feel like if you can pull something from me and you're kind of like, I see this and I see that and that is, I don't want to say inspiring because that might be a little much, but if it speaks to you to a certain cause for you with anything that I do, then like, great, I love that. But it also kind of ties into what we were just talking about. It's that perception. Like I could still say that I'm doing something and I'm trying to represent this and for somebody else. Cause it, I mean, that's what we're all like, we're just art, we're artists, but we're art. So people are just gonna perceive you however. So it's kind of, yeah, like I said, it's really that simple of whatever you can pull from that. Cause you might even pull something that I don't want you to pull, not because, you know, like I, it's not there or something because it's not something that I believe in or whatever. So it's just kind of like, if you get something and you're like, that speaks to me on this level, happy to be here. <laughs> I don't know. I love it. I definitely love it. If you can go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? That's hard. Especially, I could imagine it being hard for somebody who does really soak into the human experience, you know, because it's like, is there really, did you really even, was there a mistake? Did you make a mistake? Are we talking mistakes? Like, if you didn't make the decisions that you made, you wouldn't necessarily. I'll say you wouldn't be, but like, would it look how it looks now, you know? I mean, yeah. And is that a good or a bad thing? I mean, there has, I mean, there's definitely, obviously things that you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> or I definitely should have done <laughs> like, that. You know. You're like, oh no. <laughs> uh, so, but even that is like, I feel like it, like one of those questions, like anybody can answer. It's one of those things where I don't know if I'd give myself a piece of advice. If I could go back knowing everything that I know now, of course, but then that's not just one thing. It's not pertaining to like anything. In right. Particular. So what about There's performing? So like things. from speaking from a performer now versus a performer when you started, what would you give early Lola B? What would you tell early Lola B? Dang. I'm trying to think because it's kind of like what you're saying about like at least in terms of performing, a lot of that had to do with the trials of the earlier stages of performing and just trying to figure stuff out. So, and I mean, I can honestly say that while everything hasn't been, I mean, and what is perfect, so while everything hasn't been like 
this, you know, $100,000 bookings or something like that. I don't know. I can't think of any. I'm trying to think of like a, what would be the advice? And I can't think of anything because I really just went for it. Appreciate the process. Yeah, I really went for it. Go for it. Just do it and appreciate the process. I really went for it. And it was like, it it was wild. It was fun. And, and, And I met a lot of people and I got to have a lot of experiences that like, you know, I'll be able to be if I, you know, in an old adorable nana somewhere just being like i love back that you in put my an day old adorable nana yeah um, that's like exactly. back in my day i would get money rained on me <laughs> <laughs> for busting it wide open no regrets no regrets uh, like it was all. fun i'm i think I, the only thing i would do if i had to give myself if i had to answer the question is like start sooner but really i started exactly when <laughs> when i was supposed to so i can't even say that no don't like, hesitate just start don't buy swimsuits as whole clothes i guess that's my best one i did not know that and that's a beautiful piece of advice that'd why, be the one why would you say not to buy swimsuits because that's exactly what i would yeah yeah and that's exactly what i did (laughs) because i didn't know any better no i mean i definitely know a lot of um entertainers and like other artists that wear swimsuits um but a lot of like pole clothes especially like the crotches and stuff are made specifically to be like a bit wider for all to, to a lot for all that movement and luckily like that hasn't necessarily been an issue thus far but (laughs) definitely like I was, I don't know, I don't think swimsuits are as stylish, I guess, as pole clothes, because they're kind of made, like pole clothes are like, they're costumes, they're for the most part, so they're made to be that way. But even then, like I said, I can't even say that that would be an advice. Yeah, because it really was just, I did the best that I could with what I had. And even though I probably could have just Googled pole clothes, it didn't, and I just went and found what it was. And there's no stores here that you can just go and get, like, whole clothes from like if I were in like Cali or something like that so it was just kind of like I can go to Walmart and get a little swimsuit set so that's just what I'm gonna do and I still rocked it like you with the confidence of I don't know just with a lot of confidence so yeah I guess then like I I really want to be able to answer that question like thoroughly or profoundly but I can't say anything. I've had a lot of fun, so. Yeah, no, that was a great answer, though, the pole clothes. I have, yeah, several experiences with burlesquing. Um, you got to weed, weed out of buying cheap lingerie. Mm. <laughs> because, like you said, um, I've had situations where, like, my, like, parts want to come out of it because they make those very factory. And, um, like, especially your G-strings and definitely your new strings right. they make them factory so like they they don't necessarily fit a dancer so like you can be you know if i there's a possibility that my whole hoo-ha is coming out you know so um i definitely that's a really good sound piece of advice is to do more research on costuming and performance wear um definitely and also like be like being moldable because like Costume work get really pricey, and if you can only afford that, I mean, you rather you. I know people who won't debut an act or won't do a performance until they have every single piece. Mm. And granted, whatever works for that person, they're right. beautiful performances, and you can definitely tell that they were very intentional about every piece of it. You know, um, 
but don't let that kind of be like the reason you don't start performing right you know like if you can only afford an amazon you know bathing suit set or walmart bathing suit set or um lingerie set or she and lingerie set and that's what you got and you put your own little razzle dazzle in it or whatever like don't do that you know nobody we've all been there every most performers have like nobody's gonna look down on you nobody's gonna like if anything like you go get some good tips or you know you'll learn as you go yeah to learn as that's one of those things that you can learn as you go for sure um definitely what's the funniest thing that has happened to you on stage I think everything that happens on stage is kind of hilarious. So, <laughs> again, I'm doing so bad with these questions because it's no, like, you're doing wonderful. no, like I'm, um, like from the moment. So, kind of like what you were saying way back in the beginning is people's perceptions of entertainers and kind of just like, you know, you must just be, I don't know, just like, there's just like a badass that's just like, and you know it. But like every moment from the minute that I arrive at a venue for a performance until my until my sets or whatever are done, it's just all chaos in my mind. So once I'm on stage, um, you kind of have this feeling of like, am I being silly right now? But like not not like in like um am I being comedic? Like am I just being ridiculous? I don't know. So everything kind of feels a little funny until I get done with it, and then I'm like. I don't know. Then I get a little serious because then I'm start looking like at specifics of the number. But to me, um, I've definitely slipped, fallen, um, like lost a grip or two, a bunch. Like, and to me, I, I don't even have. I can't even say that I have one of those records and performances where nothing goes wrong. It's just, um, yeah, it almost always is something. If I have something where I feel like I did absolutely everything. I knew I was gonna do, my holds were great, my flips were fine, my toes and you know, they were pointed and I didn't have like, you know, a hook ankle or something like that. Then I'm like or like the like the hooks, like if you're pointing, you want like that line to be straight and not like this. You don't want to be stippled like that, because that fucks with your line, so you want it to look like that. Then um it's more often than not that it's silly. So I can't think of like Yeah. I'm trying to think of the funniest thing and I got nothing. It's all funny to me. <laughs> it is funny. Like it's we uh, people are. Oh, it, it can get. Hard. And I'm just always fucking up. It's just I don't <laughs> think maybe sometimes I think I think other performers because they have like a trained eye to like know that they're like, come on, girl. Not that I think they do it in like a mean way, but you know what I mean. You just can't help it. You're like, is, was that supposed to happen? But I think for everyone else, which is the more important part, they're just like, that was amazing. The people that are paying to come see you. Yeah, they're, they're just having a good time, and I'm like, great. But for the most part, I can't think of any real performance that I had where it wasn't just like, there was just something. <laughs> yes, and that's crazy because even I feel like the performers, like you can, I know we're harder on ourselves as yeah. people because you're going to be like, oh my God, I had a wardrobe malfunction. I slipped or I did this or did that. And the performers be like, I didn't see anything. You know, granted, like you would. And also it depends. Like I know like producers catch it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, even Well, I guess it depends. Certain producers catch it all. I know a producer here in the city, like she's very, um, she's going to catch it. You know, even if it's like, but it's not, she might not even ever say anything or whatever, but I know she saw it or like, you know, and vice versa. Like, I feel like I'm somebody who notices everything without even trying. I'm not right. looking for it. It's just yeah. like I see It's not it. like a malicious way. It's just, you know. Yeah, but for the most part, it's like, well, well, happens, you know what I mean? Or 
you played it off great and that's all that mattered. Um, how do you, when you have those moments, how do you, do you internalize those moments? Are you someone to like, and, and if so, how do you kind of talk yourself out of that? That makes sense. Like, do you, are you someone who normally will get really anxious after you perform, especially if things didn't go right and like you're kind of like, oh, I didn't do this, do that, and it's really hard for you to like enjoy like the after moments and whatever because you're in your head about it? Or are you somebody who kind of just like lets it, you know, fall through? And if you do, how do you coach yourself? Or how would you recommend somebody like a new performer coach themselves out of not getting in their heads after their performance if things didn't go how planned? Um, I would say I'm a bit of both. It really kind of depends on the performance. Like there are some um, performances that I can think of that I was just like, okay, they didn't go that bad. All right, that was nice. I'm I'm really happy with it. I'm always curious to see afterward, um, which I don't know. I I know a number of performers that are kind of like that. After we want to look at the video because they were like, we I really want to see, especially when it comes to like a very specific move where you're like, I need to make sure. Like, what did it look like? Mm -hmm. So the last, not the last show we were in together, the passion show that we were in together, um, this last one, there was this split move that I did in rehearsal and I only did it once in rehearsal and every other time I did it, even the night before, I could not land the split to save my life. Like, and I don't even like how, what's happening. And, and then when I did it the night of the performance um, and I, I went back and cause I wanted to see the video like immediately after and I can watch it and I can see it in my face, even if like nobody else knows what I was thinking in that moment, that I was like, I got into position to go into it. Because once I was in the position to do this particular split, there was almost nothing else I could go into from it. Like it was either I was going to do it or I was going to fall. And then being able to do it and seeing it. And then I see like the smile immediately after once I knew that I was stuck. And once I knew that I was like, I am in there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then it was like enjoying that afterward was like amazing because there were a couple of things that I maybe was like that was went a little bit different than what I wanted it probably for a number of reasons or whatever but just because I was able to focus on that one thing that I was like I couldn't even do this in rehearsals <laughs> I don't even know why I didn't take it out but I was like because I really wanted to do it and so it made like the rest of the evening just like I was like, I don't even care about anything else. No, I don't care, but you know what I mean? It's hard like, to focus I on landed something my sweat, else because I was like, you don't, and if you only knew the journey that like, I only did this one time when, and not even well when I did it. So I did it even better on stage and I did it when I rehearsed it and actually landed it. So it let me go throughout the rest of the night and the rest of the entire the performance of feeling just like having that moment of not being in my head because I was like, even if everything else was so-so, this one thing, and even if that was so-so to other people, my own personal experience with it made it like easy for me to just be happy with just with just that. that but then there's win. also been other, you know, performances. I would definitely say that I can be critical of myself in certain things like that. So it's kind of like, and it, it like <laughs> how I cope with that is different. I don't even know. I don't know. I feel like I'm the worst person to give advice because everything is so subjective. Like I could say, I don't know, run a warm bath or eat a taco. And for some people, they're like, well, that sounds amazing right now. They're just like, they're like, no, <laughs> I don't even, I don't taco. like tacos. So, you know, whatever. I don't know. Like it, 
it's hard not to care about something that you really love or like enjoy doing that really like you want other people to be proud of because you're proud of it. And I can definitely, like I said, I get into my own head. Sometimes I'll get done with a show. And if I personally feel like there were a number of things that I was like, I just didn't feel right. Or I'm just like, oh, and they probably didn't look right. Um, much like what you're saying, it can be hard when you get done having people go like, oh, that was so good. And you're like, it was good, but it wasn't. Just take the compliments. But it was, oh God, no, do not compliment me. I'm just, I'm the, I'm one of those where I'm just like, thank you so much. I'm the same <laughs> way. I'm like, I get so awkward because I'm already like, are you sure? And then I'm quick to like start throwing in what I like did wrong to a person that's complimenting yeah, me. Yeah, they're like, right? I'm not seeing any of that. And you're like, but you don't understand. So I think it's trying to be able to separate like the performance from just being able to be proud of yourself for doing it in the first place like for going for it like you did whatever you needed to whatever happened that led you up to that stage and just trying to be like remember that like hey not every show is going to be like this perfect thing but I mean you keep going back to it so I don't know maybe it's more of just that attitude of just do it like even if it was something that I feel like is cringe to like the depths of my soul you just got to be like, well, it's done now. So <laughs> I did it. Yeah, it's done it. now. It's been recorded. You just kind of have to move on and you kind of just have to ask yourself, like, well, do you want to keep doing it? And if the answer is yes, then you just go home and then you eat something and you be sad about it. Let yourself feel that feeling. Like, I don't think there's anything helpful in trying to avoid feeling like that was cringe or that didn't go well, because sometimes that can also be helpful to be like, okay, well, next time. I don't know, a little more prepared or next time um, just try to be more open because now you know that it's possible for stuff to go wrong or for stuff not to be as great as you want it to be. Let yourself feel it. And then when you get the next booking, just go in like, well, this is a new show. So let's see what happens. I don't know. Like I said, I'm really boring. Like, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> just, not. Just see What's what your happens. favorite post-show food? Mm. Ice cream. Chicken wings. I was gonna say chicken wings. Do like chicken wings. <laughs> there was something about chicken wings after you oh burned all those calories dancing and performing. There is something, but like really spicy chicken wings. Oh, there's something about the chicken wings and something just like really sweet, like a nice rucola or nice rucola float or pickles. I love hot pickles. Yes. I love hot pickle juice. So if I don't feel like I want to eat, eat, but I just want like a little something, then I'll just drink pickle juice. Mm. I love that. Um, how do you, do you have a special like ritual routine before, like days of shows or leading up? Are you someone who's like very like you wake up, you know, you eat your high protein breakfast or you, you know, take, you know, do your yoga, you should make sure you stretch, you know, do you have some things that you do before every show to kind of get you prepared? I just freak out a lot. <laughs> that's my appreciation. That's just my And the sad part is I'm really, so I like to be prepared so I have room to freak out. So usually, so I guess that would be a routine. I would say either the night before, but see, I can't even say that it's a consistent routine. It'll either be the night before or the day of, if depending on what time call time is, that I like to have my bags packed and I have them all sitting out like in my living room. If I need to bring like my rig, then I already have that broken down or usually even in the car maybe depending on it really I try to be very mindful of my brain in my body so sometimes it's really helpful for me to do it the night before sometimes it's like I really needed whatever in that night 
to wait until like the morning of and just kind of get up a little earlier. Um, so it really kind of depends. But usually it's just that, just varying degrees of of freaking out before I get to a show. And I'm like, you know, I, I will check my bag over and over again. Do I have like, you know, the extra costume and then this one and is that good? And did I remember bobby pins and hairspray? Do I have that? Cause I feel like I put that in. No, I don't, let me go back and check in the bathroom again. Like it's just it's a lot of, of that. And then usually I need, will try to have some downtime right before I'm about to head out to the venue. Um, yeah, just to like, I don't know, I'll be like playing like a game or listening to music or maybe I'm just laying across the couch and just looking up, wandering about the universe, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> before I get there. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'd say that's about as big as a routine. That's my biggest routine is just, just varying degrees of freaking out before I get on the road to the show. Yeah. Okay. Um, this word, um. <laughs> um oh, I said it again. That's okay. Let's just um it up. Um it up, right. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> First, I want to ask, are your, and I ask this because I know some people don't have this, are your parents present in your journey? And if so, how do they feel about what you do? Um, yes and no, but for the most part, I would say, I mean, I don't really, I've never heard anything negative about what I do, so. I know some people, yeah. the reason why they won't get into the performing arts is because of what their parents and their inner crowd and circle says or what they perceive it is versus what it actually is, so they'll, you know, I guess those are kind of limitations they place on their, those would be considered limitations. But I hear a bunch of people like, I want to do this, but, right. you know, the people around me aren't supporting it. So what would you say to somebody who's in that position? What would you tell them? Same thing I told you. You just kind of have to do it. You just have to do <laughs> you it. You have to. Like, there's, I mean, as cliche as it is, I mean, it really is your life. We think we only get one. Who's to say? I certainly don't know. But, like, I don't know. Like, this is your fantasy. Like, this is your own little piece of. I don't even know what to call it. So let's just call it of whatever. So when you were like a kid, well, most kids or some kids, I don't want to say most kids, kids have this idea of like this make believe of I want to be this and I want to do that. And now that you're a little bit older or whatever, in a position where you have a bit more control over your life, why not just do that? And either it's going to be something that it's going to be like, this is the where my life will be for the rest of it. Or it'll only be for a brief moment or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, you just got to do it and see what happens. I realize that that's easier said than done, especially if you're in a position where um, you're not being supported the way you should be and the people around you are kind of just like, I don't know, let's call them dream suppressors. And are just like, well, why would you want to do this? But um, ultimately, you know, looking back at your life and saying that I didn't do something, whatever it is, because the people around me were like, I don't think that's a good idea, will be so much worse uh, knowing that you could have tried than just not doing it. But again, it's hard to kind of want to push somebody in that direction and say, well, just do it just because it's, you don't know what their situation is. So I can't just be like, just 
just do it because that could be maybe mess up like your home life maybe you live somewhere something like that so it could be so much harder so if you can do it safely and the biggest concern is that people won't support you if you can do it safely do it anyway because it doesn't matter even if if it's just a matter of opinion yeah then then just just do it it. because people are gonna no matter what you do no matter what level like people are gonna have something to say it it really does that's a real true thing it does not matter even if you're on like the lowest quote unquote lowest level of whatever it is that you do there's still somebody that's gonna think you're amazing yeah people talk about rihanna people just like and these people they can't hear you they have no idea they're like i'm just making money having a good time so i mean yeah but i would say just the most important thing is your mental emotional physical safety and if all of those things aren't a factor and like a you know what i mean then you should just try it and the worst comes to worst you don't like it you can always stop just as easy as you can try something for a lot of stuff you can stop you can say i don't want to do this anymore so at least you did it yeah you know? and you can like i said just be a cute old nana just telling people like this one time i tried this and it didn't work out or whatever but yeah it support is one of those things that everyone needs but a lot of times it's really hard to get and a lot of entertainers i would just try to encourage people to realize that a lot of entertainers are working out here without support or they only have perceived support and not like support support so you're probably not support yeah you're probably not as lone as you think you are when it comes to that so you might as well because they're doing it so bring it if you have something that you feel like you want to share to the world share it we want to see it absolutely that's beautiful you have something that you want to share share it and there is this world like we live in a beautiful world of technology to where it's not just like you have to rely on your geographical community right in order to be seen or mm-hmm. to make it like you could be somewhere living in Wisconsin and they're obsessed with you over in Japan because you put yourself out there and your made your community, you know, isn't really supporting you here, but you're still getting your bills paid from these people over here. So like there really aren't limit limitations on, I feel like there's a tribe for everybody. Right. And uh, if your people aren't in your vicinity, just, Keep putting yourself out there because your people will be there and you have people that want exactly what you're doing and resonate with exactly what you're doing about it for sure and just try to manage those expectations of support too because that's also important i think especially mm. when it comes to entertaining because we see the author like you said rihanna and we see this idea of hundreds of thousands of people who absolutely love them who would, would just do and pay whatever just to like be in their presence and then kind of um not realize that out of those hundreds of thousands or whatever of people there are also hundreds of thousands of people that absolutely hate them for no other reason than just because she wore red lipstick one day or she you know wore these weird socks that was from a company that they didn't like yeah so you're gonna get both once you're at any level you're gonna have both so just being able to manage that expectation of support and just realizing that like i said that a lot of people only have really or entertainers is really perceived support and sometimes it's not this huge team of people that is always going to be around to help you with yourself and some of those people like you have to remember they're getting paid like they're they're professionals they're getting paid to do a job not to say that they're not good people that they might not even like them but it's still work so this idea that you're always going to have people around to love and support you is you'd want to manage that expectation because more often than not 
you'll only have some people, which is okay because us quality over quantity and just being able to like be, like you said, find that tribe and not be so worried about how many people it is, but like the quality of the people that are around you and the quality of yourself too, because just as much support as you get, you know, from the outside, you have to also be able to carry a little bit of that light inside yourself to be able to go like, there might be some times when your biggest fan is sick or something, they might not be there that you have to kind of carry that with you too. So anyway, that's just my two cents. No, that was a beautiful two cents for sure. It's kind of like, um, and sometimes also accepting that like, if you are on a journey, there's going to be parts of that journey that you're going to have to go through by yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, especially not just with performing, but for other things. But even performing, there's going to be times where you're not going to have somebody help you with your bag or help you, you know, run a thought off of or where you're going to be literally doing every single thing from booking to carrying things in to carrying things out to by yourself. And that's okay. You know, just because you see somebody who has you know, world. And also too, you don't know what that person went through to get that support or their, their journey. And that's just where they're at. It doesn't mean that you'll never receive that type of support, but they're where you are might be, you know, you might be really in the mud, like, you know, like one woman or one man and showing that they, you know, and doing, you're playing every single role and that's okay. So Lola, um, I know that you offer privates and one-on-ones and stuff. What, um, you offer that for all your aerial forms or just for some? Yeah, just for pole for uh, right now, but also honestly for lollipop too, just lollipop isn't really as popular as pole, which is fine. Because I'll tell you right is, now, I'm sexy. So people, <laughs> when we get off of here, I'm booking a lollipop one-on-one session so, right yeah. when we get off here. So how can people find you? Uh, all my social medias, which is really just Instagram and Facebook because I am the worst social media person <laughs> and the worst social media personality I think in this city maybe no <laughs> maybe listen, even I in think the we're state. all trying to figure it out like it's like this new thing to where it's like within the past like I feel like performing at least in Cincinnati has gotten like it's really kind of like doing one of like this up and up thing mm-hmm. and so like we're all trying to like we got to make sure we're branding we're posting we're sharing we're liking we're engaging like and I think it's just a lot and so uh, yeah. yeah, it's overwhelming, and do not feel bad Very at all. Very overwhelming, and I'm getting it fully. I only feel bad, and not really bad, but I only have to like think about it that hard whenever somebody's bringing it up to me, and they're like, you know, you should get the TikTok, and you should have. And I'm like, look, I don't know if you've seen any of my stuff already, but <laughs> yeah. you you really gotta pace yourself. I didn't even get an Instagram until like two or three years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. One yeah, thing at a time. but oh God, I cannot wait to be at a level where I can just have someone manage that for me because listen, sweet baby corn, that's not for me. But uh, <laughs> my social medias are just Lullaby Pole, and then um, can book anything through Sax Pole Fitness through that website. But if you go to Lullaby Pole, there's a link in my bio for, and then any type of on my Facebook, I usually almost if it's not a show posting, it'll have Sax on there. So yeah, that's how you find me. Yeah, beautiful. So you can find Miss Lola B at Lola B Pole, both Instagram and Facebook, and also Sax Pole Fitness. Yeah. You can also find her, book yourself a session, book yourself a lollipop session. They're not, they're super fun. Um, and pole, you know, whatever, different strokes, different folks. Um, what would you like to say to aspiring performing artists 
artists. That's come on, guys. I mean, <laughs> no artists. Like let's just, <laughs> let's make up a new one. Uh, we're making there's up no rules. This is, there's Life no is rule. weird. Personally, yeah, like I got my own dictionary, guys. So let's just artists out there. <laughs> what would you like to say to aspiring performing artists? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've already kind of covered everything. Yeah, I don't yet. know. Like, I don't think I'm that inspiring to be able to just no. give like this like top of the hill speech to the army. I like, I, I have no idea. I got it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah, just like Nike said, just, just do, do it. it. Y'all hear, heard it first. Got, well, y'all didn't hear it here first. Y'all heard it from Nike first. That's heard true. It from we did take that. Do not come for us, Nike. This <laughs> is not, not that. Us, but, you know, you heard it from Willoughby and Mirage. Just just go for it. Um, there's no right or wrong time. You know, enjoy the human experience. If You don't have to put expectations on anything. You don't have to make a career out of anything. Just try. You know, and I feel like that is what I've gotten. gotten. That's what I've gotten out of speaking with you is to just Go for it, and you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. So, thank you. If you are still listening, thank you for listening thus far. Um, I will have Lola B's information in the description, and I hope all of you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Inside the Tease. And again, thank you for Lola B for being a part of this. So. Bye. Bye. If you've made it this far into the podcast, I want to thank you for joining us on this captivating journey through the world of performance art. I hope that you've enjoyed every moment, discovered new insights, and felt the allure that makes this art form so special. Remember to stay connected with us on all via social media platforms. We have some wonderful and amazing interviews on the way. Until we meet again, keep embracing the transformative power of the tease, celebrating the beauty in all forms and cherishing the artistry that moves us. Farewell, and always remember to keep the curtain's allure alive. <laughs>